0: we continue in worship this morning, we uh, are going to start a new series in the last, I don't know, four or six weeks. Uh, you know, as we, uh, as I try to uh, help us navigate the world we are in, we're going to talk about uh, spiritual warfare. And I'm a little, I'll be honest, I'm a little concerned with this because I, I, there's two Typical extremes, and I'll talk more, and I'm not trying to give away my whole message so far. You know, there's two extremes whenever someone, a pastor or someone in general, talks about spiritual warfare. One, it doesn't exist. And we just totally ignore the reality, I think, that scripture uh, says. Um, And so there is no such thing as the supernatural, the, the spiritual battles that we face, and the scripture is very clear, as we will find this morning and in the series, that's just not reality. You may want that, but you will live not a healthy Christian lifestyle. The second extreme is that we see every single thing that goes wrong as a spiritual battle and Satan um, doing something. So, you know, uh, and, and I know this is an extreme example, but, you know, and we walk outside those front doors, you know, kind of behind you guys, and all of a sudden that tree, that weeping cherry tree, I think is what it is, rustles. That must be something spiritual and supernatural because it rustled. And I got a little afraid. And we can get so focused on those things that we forget that not everything is that way because one the world can not be a hard place it isn't all rosebuds there are thorns but it isn't always nice sometimes things happen and sometimes we cause our own issues it isn't always spiritual you know when you made a wrong choice and there are consequences for that choice, it isn't a spiritual attack. It may just be you made a dumb choice. We choose our actions, the world chooses our consequences. You know, El- 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 Elena and I had that conversation one You choose what you want to choose, sis, and there will be consequences. Maybe good consequences, maybe not. But you don't get to choose the consequences. And I will honor her choice with the appropriate consequences. Maybe good, maybe not. But she can choose. I'm not going to force her to choose. Sometimes we cause our own issues. You know, some of you are aware we've had car troubles this summer. Uh, ever since May. And, and you know, um, if I'm not careful, I can spiritualize it so much that I know what was wrong with the car. It was demonically possessed. Now <laughs> <laughs> um, We laugh, but can I tell you something? I know of good Christians who that is exactly what it is. This must be an attack. I'm not questioning their faith. Because there can be some truth. But you know what? If we are not careful, we see everything that goes wrong as a spiritual attack. And we forget what we have sung that our God is bigger than any other thing. Including Satan and his forces. And my concern when I teach on spiritual warfare is we lose our focus. For we're going to start here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Where we read that we do not, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Verse three. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the war, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. We take every captive, cap- every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We will be ready punish every act of those disobedience once your obedience is complete. Interesting. In a lot of ways, but we, this has to be, I think, our forefront focus. Oh, I could have been it to Ephesians 6, but I, I'm going say that for later, where Paul says in Ephesians 6, for our, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces. There is a spiritual battle in, among, and around us. In us, in the fact that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, there is a war between what is natural for you and what is unnatural. Natural, your own desires. Unnatural, following and submitting to the desires of Christ. This is why like James, and if you do our emotions this week that are found online, our website, slash uh, devotions are in the handout for those of you who are present. You will read in James that uh, we should not say God is tempting us. For some conditions come and trials come because of our own desires. Where we want something and we want it when we want it we want it how we want it and then we realize maybe that wasn't best. Maybe what we thought was good turns out to be more of a burden than not, more of an issue than not. That's the battle within us. The battle that says I'm going to lay every fear at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to I'm going to submit myself to the cross. That's not natural. And as a believer, sometimes that's all the battle is. The battle isn't. Demonic or spiritual, in the sense of the the uh, cosmic battle that is going on. Sometimes it's just our own stubbornness. It's with us. It. I think we need to call that out as stubbornness to submitting to Christ. But there is a battle among us and around us. Paul makes it clear. Um, in, in actually, I think it's uh, this letter, you know, that we, we have an enemy who has blinded the world, blinded the eyes of those who don't see Christ. And then our prayer ought to be a prayer of, Lord, help them to see the truth of who you in our battle. It's not our own viewpoint. It is at the very heart of the gospel. We don't wage this battle to try to figure out our enemy. Though I will hopefully teach us some things that will help us engage the battle. But we're not looking at our enemy. We are looking at the gospel of Jesus Christ because that is what is at stake even as Paul is writing this letter. He's writing this letter not to just teach about a battle, a spiritual warfare, but he's saying, look, I am a messenger of the gospel. And and I'm teaching you the gospel, but you think the gospel is one where there isn't any sufferings. See, some of the Corinthians church thought, well, if Paul is suffering, he must not truly be teaching the gospel of Jesus, because hardship shouldn't come to those who obey Jesus, the thought was, and I would say there is still the thought there in our world today. And if there is an issue, then it must be something else. And what Paul is saying, look, I may suffer, but the gospel is a gospel of suffering and the one who overcame the suffering to give life. At stake in this battle is the gospel. It is not whether or not we are right or wrong. It is not whether or not we are the majority or the minority. It is not whether or not our uh, little flavor of how we interpret the gospel, though I believe we are right, is the only way. The only way is jesus christ before. don't miss you okay don't miss you there's only one way and that is the gospel that says jesus says i am the way the truth and the life. no one comes to the father except for me but we as baptists have a certain way of thinking about the gospel that is good as i think biblically found it, but isn't the soul of the truth in that way, because we miss things all the time. You know, uh, I, I, I've been now, you know, if I were to a little side trail here, I'll keep brief. Uh, you know, I, I've been in about every theological camp that I think is biblically warranted. Uh, and, and I can tell you that uh, though I believe biblically that uh, once we are saved, we are always safe in eternal security. I can tell you there is pitfalls to that belief that if we're not careful, we just pray a prayer and we're all good. I don't think that's what Jesus has in mind. I've been in a camp where one can lose their salvation. You better be down at the altar every single week. I've been at mm-hmm. altars every single week. I mean, I need Jesus every single week. I don't know about you, you know, but I do. You know, I've been there. And, and they have their top of the gospel is, are you living up to the call of the gospel?
1: Oh, there's a lot
0: of good truth there. It can lead to Christians who never know where they stand. But I will also tell you, in those where we both come, it seems like we're two opposite. One saved all we saved versus one to lose the salvation. What we're really trying to figure out in our way of thinking is, how does one live out that salvation that is for Christ alone. And Ron has been in circle. They've been fighting that battle for, well, before even Ron was alive, you know? And we're probably always going to fight that battle. Oh, the two men, clever men are looking at each other. And I'm not sure I went in the middle of that one. Sorry, Sue, and pick uh, you back, You know? But, you know, there, there's some validity in both of those. Our battle isn't whether or not the other side is right or not. Our battle is is Jesus the Lord? Is He the way, the truth, and the life? And is He the only way of salvation? And if we miss that, we fight the wrong battle. And our world is full of conflicts, our world is full of battles and fights. I love to tell people I work with hey, go do some of this. And tell myself this you don't have to go to every fight you're invited to. Did you hear that? You don't have to go to every fight you're invited to. Sometimes, though, when this works, see, one of my concerns for my kids is, is not, is lots of things, but one of my concerns is they're living in a world where it is normal and natural to fight anyone and everyone. Who isn't like them? That they get so used to fighting that they know nothing else. And if we are not careful, that is what I think part of, I, I don't think Paul meant that necessarily, but I think it's a, a secondary or a third way of looking at this passage. When he says, We do not wage war as the world does, we do not fight with the weapons of the world. We as Christians don't have to fight every single argument and fight that we are invited to the table. This is why it's important to keep the majors, the majors, the gospel of Jesus, and the minors, some of our unique theological beliefs that are good, that are important, that are necessary, as minors. Because if we fight every battle, we're going to get hurt. We're going to get wounded, and we are going to wound others with it. Now, I, I must admit that uh, I am uh, a pacifist at heart. I love with Eliana we have this thing. I never did it with the boys. I don't know why. It was, I don't know. I just did it. You know, when we will kind of get in our little fight stance, like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And and just at the moment she thinks I'm going to get her, I say, "Says I can't. I'm a lover, not a fighter." And I give her a big bear hug and just kind of twirl her around. She loves to do the opposite. Go figure, right? I mean, you all know my my daughter. You know, Eliana. She'll look at me. She'll go, "Okay, come on, Dad. Come on, Dad." And I'll say, "I'm a lover, not a fighter." She goes, "I'm a fighter, not a lover, Dad." And then she she gets a couple punches in just because she can. You know, every once in a while she amuses me by saying. Yeah, I'm a lover. She gives me a hug. You know, uh, with dance. I realize that there's a lot of truth. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Alicia and I, it's interesting that's the case because I met someone who, in her own words yesterday, very jokingly, she said, I eat conflict for breakfast. You know, I mean, they, they, you don't know think I'd take on her in two months, probably. I'll probably But well, that's exactly what you said. You know, there are people who naturally, when conflict comes, they're like, okay, oh, yeah, let's go. Okay? When conflict comes, you know what I do? I'm like, wait a minute. Where do I we need to fight this? I don't know. I don't know. You know. Is this really going to matter in ten years? Probably not, because it's not much matters. I have very few hills I'll die on. Jesus being the one major hill I'll die on. Yeah, you know, go figure. I married someone who eats conflicts for breakfast. That's why, and, You know, we do well. You know, and, and I realize that's the case for me, and that has caused my own issues over the years. You know, not necessarily theologically, not necessarily in any uh, major ways, but I think. What I want you to know is which one are you? There's two almost extremes. Neither are healthy. My natural ability is not healthy because we as Christians must be willing to engage this battle. We can't just stick our heads in the sand. I'd love to do that. I mean, that's my family through and through. I like to joke with people when I do marriage counseling and premarital counseling about fighting. I said, I'll tell you, my my family is what I know best. In my family, you know, conflict or conflict, we just love each other. When conflict needs to happen. You know. In others it's it's not just uh in others it's the loudest mints. You know, and and whoever can engage first gets it. And you know what? Jesus called us to do this. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. I realize there is a uniqueness. There is a skill set of peacemaking. But this is the call I think to some extent we as Christians need to start leaning into in a world that is nothing but waging battles and conflicts and and fights with one another. We need to learn to be peacemakers. Huh? And notice it's not peacekeepers. I'm a peacekeeper but I need to be a peacemaker. Where I need to create peace and maybe something that needs creating conflict when there needs to be conflict. For the sake of the gospel, I love it. But also for the sake of the gospel, I need to learn to make peace when the issues aren't there. And so, as we remember this, we come again to this passage where Paul says, Verse four: The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. We do not use the same weapons our culture does. You know we have a conflict of war happening in the eastern part of our world, been going on for many, many months. Who knows what end end is in sight with weapons. Weapons that are meant to cause harm. Weapons that are meant to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm not saying that conflict that Ukraine should not defend themselves. I think they ought to defend themselves. But even the weapons they are using are meant to hurt, to destroy. And if we are not careful, the natural battle within us is to do the very same thing. When someone attacks me, what do I think I got to do? Attack back. You know, we like to say in some sports that the best defense is a really good offense. You know, football team. I mean, a good Ohio State offense it means def- they don't have to worry about their defense. If you can score 60 points on every team you play, it don't matter how good your defense is. They just gotta be good enough, You know, Alabama, I think it was like 66 to seven. You know, if you can score 66 points, I don't care what team scores seven or 14 or 21, long, you're still winning by 40 something. It doesn't matter. I mean, if Caden and the grand offense could score 100 points a game, are they really worried about what the defense is doing much? Not good. Time would be on the side. And sometimes I think because our culture is very much post-Christian, meaning we're past the time where Christian is the norm, where Christianity is the acceptable, just default place of people. Then we we should want to expect there's going to be kind of a conflict there. But two, we don't have to fight every battle because they're different. I expect non Christians to act like non Christians, and I believe as I do, and I believe I think I'm right in my belief, but. Uh, if you really pushed me, I would probably back down. That's my ambition. You know, that that our world, you know, is past the point where Christianity is wrong, Okay? And in almost every aspect. I would expect them to do a lot of the things we see them doing. Do I need to fight that battle? Because what I will do is wound people in the midst of it innocent civilians in this fight against the evils of the world. And at the heart of the gospel, Paul is saying here, is we don't fight with the, the weapons of the world. On the contrary, the power we have, which is the Holy Spirit that is in us, we break down barriers so people will come to know who Jesus is. Because once again, for Paul, the state is the gospel. He said in a couple chapters earlier, in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, he, he says this. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. We are not trying to commend ourselves, but giving you an opportunity to pride. For we're out of our mind. We're out of our mind for God. For Christ's love, 2 Corinthians five fourteen compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and He died for all that those who lived no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. The gospel, in a very nutshell. So from now on, we do not regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Though we once did this to the Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new has come, the old has gone. the new is here. And he says it again and again. And he says this in verse 20 in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Be reconciled to God. That's the gospel message. But if I'm going around with the weapons of this world and fighting every battle and being on the offense and the idea that I'm going to attack you because you are not doing the things of God, you want to know what will happen? You ain't going to want to hear what I'm going to say if I just look at you and say, Clay, you are a completely messed up individual. I know what you do when no one else is looking. Yeah, you're giggling Just, you know, so everyone, those of you online, yeah, but, yeah, you, are saying, you know, but well, we can get that way. We can get that way. But what Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians 10 is that the focus is not necessarily on, on what is going on in the world. The focus is on obeying Christ. He says we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. In this battle we rage in this battle that's going on around us, the, the battle is before who gets supremacy. Will you obey Christ, or will you obey something or someone else? And if we want to show this world that they are in the wrong, which some, I mean, those of you who leave, uh conflict for breakfast, man, that's a fight we want to, you want to stand for the truth and you will tell people. The question is, is, are you obeying the truth first and foremost? Because if you are not obey the truth, just keep One's mouth shut. Because the power that we have that will demolish strongholds and will demolish years and years of sin, a generation of sin, is obedience to Christ. So, are you willing to first and foremost make the battle about whether or not you are obedient to Christ today? If you can do that, you are fighting a battle. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. The life of obeying Christ, being that mirror of who Christ is. So how do you do that? Two quick points. We enslave every single thought. I love the imagery Paul gives you. We take captive this isn't some, oh, here, let me just cuddle you for a minute. This is when I go behind Daniel and I just grab him. And you know what he does when that happens? He jumps. And he's For me. Not for you, right? But when you are going to be captive your brother or sister, you sneak up on him, don't you? Or you just bull rush. Ah, oh, You know? And sometimes, because I love to sit back and watch my kids, you know, sometimes when Daniel does that to Eliana, you know what she does? She runs and screams. She doesn't want to be taken captive. Okay? But that's the, uh, that is what we need to be doing. Because of who Jesus is, because of the gospel of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, I want to take everything that is captive and go, is this right? Is this true? Is this noble? Is this holy? Is this Jesus? And we filter everything point to on how we do this through Christ. Does this honor Jesus? Do I need to be this in Jesus' name? Do I need to be the voice of the Spirit or can I, as we say, I fight my battles on my knees? May I? I'm the Spirit upon somebody. I can be pretty good if I'm not careful of you know, convicting people, especially my own have ways to do it. They have ways to do it to me. But then I've got to remember, is it my job to convict them, or is it the spirit's job to convict them in this case? And if it's the spirit's job, 95% of the time it's the spirit's job. My job? Pray the spirit of them. Okay? The spirit will do things that I cannot do. There's a time to speak truth. I'm not saying shy away from the truth. Jesus didn't shy away from the truth. He also knew what was needed. Filter things through Christ. He goes on to say in chapter 13, he says, examine oneself and and to see if you are of the faith. Because if you are of the faith, do you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? We said, take the name of Jesus with you. There's a song in our hymn book with that. That's a great song in some ways, but really we should, ought to be reminded that we are taking the name of Jesus with us, whether we know it or not, or we believers. It's not as easy as when I was a teenager, Jen, and you probably remember this, and Jed, you knew, and Justin, you know, we, what would Jesus do? You know, that was a big thing when I was growing up in this team. Guess what? If I am a follower of Jesus, it isn't what would Jesus do, it is this is what Jesus is doing. Regardless of what I, you know, whether I make it a point or not, if I'm in Jesus, what I do, he is doing because he's in me. That's why one of my prayers is "Lord, man, what me, whatever we do, bring a smile off your face instead of a, hmm, I you know, the beauty of living in a small town, um, you know, I'm sorry to say we live in a small town, is everyone knows who you are.
1: They know by your
0: last name who you are connected to. I can make life miserable for you even more than I already do. You know, but people will know he's connected to the Baptist preacher. Whether he wants that known or not, maybe it's an unfair but you know what, if that helps me to go, maybe I need to watch what I do here. Because Dad's going to find out and find out quickly. I love my very first pony wagon. here, uh, you know, she's not here so she can't give you the looks. Uh, Jordan Monaghan is doing something, pony Wagon. nothing terrible. But I sent a message to Jeff and he's like, get a hold of me. And all of a sudden, he sent a message to her about what she was doing or something like that. And she's like, how did you know? How did you know? She wasn't doing anything bad. There's always eyes. Listen, believers, those of you who call Jesus as Lord, those of you who try your best to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, guess what? Jesus, you carry him with you. Would he do what you do every week? Would he say the things you say every week? Would he fight the way you fight every week? Or would he not? He said, Be as wise as serpent and as innocent as doves. And so, we must be reminded as we go through this series. On spiritual warfare as we think about spiritual warfare our battle is first and foremost about keeping Christ first in all things it's not about figuring out our enemy we will do something but you know what if we are so focused on what the enemy is doing and not obeying Jesus we've already lost that's the beauty of the book Screwtape Letters Get it back to the series. Okay? has been asking for it for months now. Right? Is is part of the letters, it's all fictional, but I think there's a lot of truth there. Part of the letters was is, if you can at least get them to focus on not Jesus, you're winning part of the battle. And our job as Christ followers, is to keep Jesus in the forefront of our minds. Obey Him always. And in so doing. Can shine forth. So I ask this week, as we look at the battles all around us, may you keep the battle of obeying Jesus first upon us. Am I obeying Jesus in this? And so I believe you will be equipped for all good things. Because the, the, the battle we fight is not. Against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, and that is why we are to pray in the spirit in all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. That this is my be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And we do that. Father yeah. God, uh, we come to pray. And as we learn of this battle that is all around us, that we are reminding ourselves that the battle is not about uh, who we are, but it is about who you are. And about keeping you first in all things. And so sometimes the best thing we can do is be consistently and faithfully submit and obey to you above all things. And others, will see who you are. And as we have been, so they can be reconciled to you. And so Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, of those who have yet to respond to the gospel, of those who have responded to the gospel, but are not submitting this day to you, of the lie that is before them. Open your eyes, that they may see who you are, so that they, too, may come into life, and life everlasting. That those who have gone their own way, maybe they prayed a prayer at one time, but now it's time to not just pray a prayer, but a faithfully, obediently live out the call of the gospel. And Lord, may in all things we love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And may we love our neighbor as ourselves as we seek to fight the battle as you would have us fight, not with the weapons of the world, but with the weapons of your love, of your justice, of your grace, of your holiness, of your magnificence, of your sovereignty, and of you, as we carry you with us each and every day as we are found in you, and you in us. So we thank you for that truth that can take care of many things in our lives that we would submit to you. We pray this in the name of all names, the name that it's all about us, the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Amen. Would you stand and sing? And as needed, you need to respond in any way. Please do so. As